We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Call it. What's the song, everyone? Great Midwestern band. Oh, yeah. Back on the road again. A lot of us will be doing that as we enter into the Christmas traveling season. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of At Your Service. Guest hosting tonight. That would be me. My name is Dave Simons. Certified financial planner by day. That's the job that puts the food on the table and pays the bills. But occasionally I get let out for good behavior and get to come downtown to the Camo X studios and uh, fill in occasionally on at your service. In fact, I've got I've got four dates here. Steve Moore texted me and said, you know, this is the holiday season. and We have some of our usual hosts out and here are some of the dates I have open. And I love doing this, although I will admit When you're in the comfort of your home on a cold, dark winter's night, it sounds like the beginning of a novel, doesn't it? I think it is. On a cold, dark winter's night, uh, it's difficult to all of a sudden get out during the 7 o'clock hour and drive somewhere and get ready to work for a couple of hours. But once I'm here and I sit in this Camo X comfy chair and get into the zone, all is right with the world. So thank you, folks, uh, very much for tuning into Camo X tonight and specifically at your service this evening. Again, Dave Simons. I am a certified financial planner and uh, occasional guest host during the week. I have hosted the Dollars and Cents show, as many of you know, oh, since January of 96 or coming up on 27 years. That's not full-time anymore. Uh, Every once in a while, I will, um, whenever they need a Sunday afternoon gig open, I'll get on there and and do the show. I don't have a scheduled dollars and cents show right now, but I know there will be one forthcoming. Once the NFL season starts to wind down and we're done with the Chiefs, we'll have that opening gap between the end of the NFL and then the beginning of the Cardinals baseball season, and I'll be on with a little bit more frequency. Before I leave here tonight at 10 o'clock, I'll let you know the next time I'm on. Uh, here at your service. So, um, you know, one of the things I thought driving down here was um, I, I want to play at the beginning that um, let's get ready to rumble as I, as I think about the meteorologists out there throughout the country. That That's what they would be saying. But I learned something new tonight. We're not you can't play that. That's copyrighted. I guess by Bruce Buffer himself. And why wouldn't he? I mean, he's made a fortune with that line. So 
there are no archives that any media outlet can actually play that without getting into trouble. Now, I can voice it in my own way, but you can't actually play Bruce Buffer doing it. The only reason I even thought about that, like I said, was because that that's sort of the feeling you get when you see and watch these weather reports coming in. And it's not just the St. Louis area, of course. It's pretty much through most of the country. Even my daughter and uh, her husband will be driving up from Houston, and we all gather in little Newton, Kansas, where my wife's family is from. And as they, as my daughter drives up through northern Texas into Dallas, it's going to be 10 degrees. That's on Friday. So it's pretty crazy. And yes, we have been making this trip. My wife and I got married back in 1988, and so this will be our 35th trip to that town of Newton, Kansas, where her parents live. And only one time could we not get there because of weather. And this this weather forecast doesn't look like it's going to stop us. We are scheduled to head out, and my son still lives here in St. Louis, so the three of us were going to go out there together um, on Friday morning. I think that we'll probably still be able to get out there. If not, okay, fine, we'll go Saturday for sure. Here's the thing. I know a lot of folks, it's like um, the boy who cried wolf when it comes to the weather forecasts, right? I'm a big weather junkie. I don't profess to know the science behind it, but I do watch the Weather Channel a lot, especially when you get some of these big, huge events coming, like a hurricane coming in through the Gulf or whatever. And we're used to the fact that a lot of times there is more bark than bite. And unfortunately, that keeps a lot of people from really taking things seriously when they should, especially when you have hurricanes. Um, Or even here in the Midwest during the springtime, well, there's a great chance of tornadoes and then nothing happens and we barely get rain. Well, see, I know they always try to overdo these things. Don't think that that's going to happen this time because this really doesn't have anything to do with snow. I mean, we are getting some snow. But if even if they're off by a couple of inches, and I think they're, you know, here in St. Louis, two, three inches, maybe four tops. It really depends. But they don't seem real sure. It could be one or two inches. That's not the issue this time, as you know. It, it is the cold, the Arctic cold, the negative temperatures, and then throw on the blustery winds, which will gust over 30 miles per hour, even here in the St. Louis area at times pushing that wind chill factor 25 below, maybe worse. The science is really good when it comes to predicting temperatures and wind. So they're not going to miss that. So it's not going to be like, well, they predicted it would be real temperature of negative 4 on Friday, and it was 62 degrees. How did they miss it? That doesn't happen. And same with the wind. We thought it was going to be 30 miles per hour, and boy, the flags didn't even barely move. No. So it this forecast should be taken seriously. And even for me as a runner, I will run in anything outside. I mean, and I have. I have actually run in a hurricane. That's a long story. It was about 15 years ago. That was one of the crazier runs I've ever done. Uh, I have run in a blizzard. I have run in ridiculous hot, humid temperatures in, you know, real temperatures in the six, or three figures, and that's that, that was really stupid. I don't even know if that I would run with a wind chill of like 25 below. And the reason is because I would be about the only idiot out there. I can picture myself going out to, let's say, Creve Park or Forest Park or whatever, 
and slipping on some ice and knocking myself out. Now, it's one thing if it's a nice day and people are around and they can attend to you. It's something else if nobody is around to help you and you're out exposed. And I am a bit of a klutz. So I have fallen more than a few times. I've got the scars to show for it, and that includes on on my biking, too. So I don't think I would trust myself. So treadmill, mm, here I come. So, um, but I think that we're still, we'll, we'll make this our, our 35th year to Newton. And we, like I said, we've never been stopped before. Now, there was one, I don't remember when this was, but this was before we had kids. We had kids starting in the mid-90s. And so I'm going to say it was about 30 years ago, early 90s. My wife and I had an I, I, I had an uh, 86 Mazda RX-7. Love that car. Loved it. Bought it in 86 before I got married. Um, I had to sell it in 94 when we had our firstborn. Uh, woe is me. I still think about that. Wonderful two-seat sport car. My wife and I load up. It's a really bad winter. I think we left maybe on December 23rd, 24th. I don't re- remember when, but it, it, it was bad. And the, and the farther we got down 70, the, the more snow came. By the time we got to Columbia, I mean, it, the, it was very treacherous driving conditions. My heater went out. The heater in my car went out, and it was also really dangerously cold. So for the rest of the trip to near Wichita, Kansas, I had to sit there while I'm driving and continuously rub the window to get the frost off. It was the trip from you know where. Now, when you're young, I guess we were probably in our late 20s, close to 30, and didn't have kids. You're, you're just much, much more resilient, I think, about that kind of thing. Or maybe you're naive. You don't worry about it. Now, if that happened, first of all, I probably wouldn't even begin the trip. And if my heater did go out, I, we would just turn around because we barely got to Columbia. So I'm not making the rest of this trip. That's stupid. You get a little smarter, I think. It's not, Things aren't worth it. But back then, it was just so important. We needed to get to Grandma and Grandma. We're not grandparents at the time, but my in-laws. So everybody has great stories, I'm sure, all those travel stories. Um, and as it turned out, just a few years later, I would be, or right before that, I should say, um, living out in western Kansas, and you talk about snow. Holy cow, that's a whole different story. All right, let's uh, let's stop with all the weather talk. I just had to get that off my chest as I thought about the fact that I know a lot of folks grow tired of the Armageddon calls from weather forecasters, but this one is different because it really isn't so much the snow. That's part of it, and it will make it really difficult to see as the blustery winds come in and the dangerously cold temperatures. So that's what it is. And let me leave you with one more thing, please. I don't, I, I can't believe I, I even have to say this. As a longtime owner of pets, particularly dogs, why would anyone leave their dogs outside when the wind chill is more than 20 below and real temperatures are negative four? Why do you even have a dog? I'm serious. I'm calling you out. That's just, that's, Animal cruelty. So even if you don't like pets or dogs in your house, that's not who you are, make it make an exception for a day or two, all right? Put them in a side room, whatever, with a bowl of water and food, and then kick them back out after a couple of days. But please, for the love of God, bring those pets in. You are listening to At Your Service. I'm guest host tonight, Dave Simons, and we shall return. 
We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Serving St. Louis for over 96 years. KMOX. Of course, all of us in the St. Louis area who've been around for at least four decades or more, we remember the great snow, don't we? Coming up, um, well, it was uh, January 30th, 31st. I'm sorry. No, there is no January 31st, dummy. Um, I don't think. Wait a minute. December? There is. Yeah. So it was January 30th, 31st. Yeah, that's right. I'm thinking of December. I've always remembered that great snow of early 82 for some reason being the first day or two of February. And I had to look it up. No, it's the last two days. It was really on a Sunday, January 31st of 1982. And I guess the reason why in my mind I've always thought it was February 1st or 2nd is because of the aftermath. I was a student at Mizzou at the time. And a lot of the weekends, like a lot of St. Louis kids, we would come back home to see our old friends or whatever and hang out. But, you know, the winter break had just ended a couple of few weeks before, and so I didn't feel compelled to come back to St. Louis. So I stayed up in Columbia that weekend. But Columbia did not get nearly the snow that the St. Louis area, and especially western into Illinois, got during that great blizzard of 1982. But... We did have school. I remember walking to class that Monday, which was February 1st, marching through snow. I don't know what the measurable amount was in Columbia. It was still pretty decent. I, for some reason, I want to say it was at least five, six, seven inches, something like that. And they did not cancel classes, but they were empty. First of all, a lot of kids, even that were at in Columbia, decided I'm not marching through that stuff and stomping through snow to get to class. But the other thing is all the St. Louis kids couldn't get back to Mizzou. That's the one thing more than anything else I remember. And then watching the news later and and seeing what happened in St. Louis. Boy, you talk about one of the great misses of all time. Now, the technology that we have to predict these kinds of things is superior than, of course, 40 years ago. But If you go back and you read about that, all the weather people missed it. They were predicting, believe it or not, just a couple of inches of snow. What they did not see was that the system would come over the St. Louis area and then just sit and did not move. They they could not see that that was going to happen. That's, um, believe it or not, gosh, nearly 41 years ago. Crazy stuff. Speaking of making predictions... That's what happens this time of year, every year, in the financial world. With the stock market, bond market, gold, 
even Bitcoin. Of course, all the analysts and the market strategists all come out this time of year and they make their predictions for the upcoming year. And the vast majority of the time, they are wrong. This kills me. I find this whole thing curious and fascinating. And yet, these folks, they get paid good money to make these predictions, and they are wrong, 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 wrong. I mean, I know we joke about weather forecasters getting things wrong, but it doesn't even come close to the market strategists out there. Because there is no model like you can have with weather forecasting to at least come within the ballpark. There is no no such thing. These are just looking at today what's happening in the economy, looking at past history a lot of times to try to determine, okay, we've kind of been here before and this is what happened last time. So I'm going to extrapolate that out in the next year. And this is what I think is going to happen. But there are so many variables that pop up that you cannot see. And yet... A lot of investors are going to develop their portfolios for the upcoming year because of something that somebody said that they saw on CNBC or they read in Barron's or they read on the Internet or whatever. And it's notoriously wrong. Keep that in mind when a majority of voters and individuals do this the same way. It's not just the market strategists who get paid good money. They're no better, and we are no better as individuals. We're all collectively in the same boat when it comes to the success ratio of making accurate predictions for the market moves, and that is basically horrible. The odds are really, really low. Anyway, as I was about to say, um, the Wall Street Journal just polled a bunch of folks, and, and so the people who participated, the majority of the voters in this poll say, Yeah, the economy is actually going to be in worse shape in 2023 than it is now. Roughly two-thirds say it's we're going to have a a, a recession. And that's actually true among the professionals as well. Economists, the majority of economists believe we will go into a recession. I have no idea. I'll give you kind of my opinion here shortly. But that's not the point that I'm trying to make here. And that is don't. Base your allocation, your portfolio, your investment strategy on somebody's opinion that might happen in the next year. You have to base these things on your own unique individual place in life, where you are, what you're trying to accomplish, what your risk tolerance is, what's a reasonable rate of return with the kind of risk that you're taking. How much downside are you willing to take? When are you going to retire? How many years? And if you're in retirement, what are your income needs? All of these things have nothing to do with what some guy on television predicts about inflation for next year. You may think it matters, but longer term, it really doesn't. Now, don't get me wrong. There are times where you do have to make changes to the portfolio. We have been more active in our own portfolios this year than at any time since 2008. And the reasons are obvious. We had to adjust based on the bear market that we had. We had to adjust certain things. We had to tighten up the bond allocation. Those things happen. But we're not talking about buying and, you know, cashing in and market timing. That's a completely different thing. This is the thing that bothers me, and I have to get political for a second. This is just my personal observation after several decades of managing money. And 
some people aren't going to like what I have to say because they're not hearing me correctly. This has nothing to do with my own personal politics at all. This is a personal observation on the professional side of things. So that polling that I just told you about from the Wall Street Journal that says that roughly two-thirds of the people who were part of this poll said that they think the economy is going to be actually worse in 23. It's interesting how it breaks down among political lines. 83% of those in the survey who identify themselves as Republicans, 83% said that they expect the economy to be in a recession and get worse in 2023. 22% of Democrats do. We're talking almost a four-to-one difference between Democrats and Republicans and how they see the economic trends for next year. When did this happen? Has it always been like that? Maybe to a degree. But in my own little corner of the world, let me kind of explain what I've seen. I have been managing money since the first term of Bill Clinton. So we're, we're talking roughly about 30 years. I don't recall during any time in the 90s, and really even in the 2000s, so obviously we had a, a Democrat under Bill Clinton for two terms, and we had George W. Bush for two terms. So we had both political sides um, running the show in the White House, and a different mix. Sometimes you had Democrats uh, in control of Congress. Sometimes you had Republicans in control. So I have been managing money through it all. Politics really didn't come up much during any of that time in the 90s and 2000s uh, among clients as they were looking, uh, they were voicing their own concerns about things or where they were in life. You know when it started to change where I've noticed? And it was very, it was incremental at first. Just a little comment here. I'm like, well, that's interesting. I wonder why they would think that. Think about that. Can you guess for a second when that might have first started? I know some of you right away are going, oh, it's probably Trump. Well, it rose exponentially, but we had already been started to climbing that hill in terms of more people in tune with things politically and using that maybe to help them uh, how they wanted to um, uh, build their portfolios, which is typically a mistake. It started early on with Obama, with President Obama. And I would get an email that said something like, um, hey, I'm really concerned of what I'm hearing that um, uh, Obama is going to take away my 401k. I remember that first time. I, and I thought, what? And I was, that was probably about 2010, 11, something like that. And I'd say, can you, that is absolutely not true, but can you send me a link? Oh, it's just something I heard. Well, that's weird. And then I would get another one very similar. Um, should I go ahead and sell my 401k now? Because the government's going to freeze it like they do in Venezuela. Like, oh, my gosh. And then it started to increase and increase and increase. Now, it's really gotten bad in the last number of years. Um, during Donald Trump's presidency, it, it, people started to get kind of really wacky with how they saw the economic world and how they saw their own investing. Again, I'm not taking sides here, folks. I'm just telling you in my little corner of the world, the feedback that I'm getting, it didn't exist much politically for a long time. It really started kind of under, like I said, President Obama and then really took off under uh, Donald Trump. And now it's really gotten out of hand under Joe Biden, as proof by what I just told you about in this Wall Street survey. 
where 83% of Republicans say the economy is going to be worse in 23, and only 22% of Democrats. Of course, there's typically going to be a difference, but four to one, that never existed before. There's a reason why I tell you all of this. And I think it's there are some lessons to be learned that I would tell you to be careful what kind of information that you are using when you start to think about building your own portfolio. I want to continue on that discussion. I think it's very important. You are listening to At Your Service on X. My name is Dave Simons. We shall return. Welcome back. It's 836 in St. Louis. Dave Simons, certified financial planner by day, occasional guest host by night. Welcome back. So we ended the last segment talking a little politics and the relationship to making mistakes as investors. And too many of us will use our own political leanings as a guide and how we want to develop our portfolios. And that's okay up to a certain level. I get it. But to revamp an entire portfolio more out of fear because I can't stand that guy and he's going to bring the country down and I just know it because that's what they told me on my favorite cable show. And both sides do it. Both sides do it. And if you look back years later, you will admit you probably made a mistake if indeed you revamped a lot of things because of your animosity toward a particular individual or party. And that leads me to a second problem. We as human beings are not very good at self-reflection. We are not very good at looking back over time and admitting to some mistakes. We're just not built that way. And one of the things uh, that psychologists call this is hindsight bias. We think we are much better than we actually are at things that have happened in the past. Let me give you an example here. So in the Wall Street Journal this time of year, a writer named Jason Zweig typically um, will have a survey for everyone to – send their replies in with their own predictions of where they think the Dow Jones Industrial Average will finish at the end of next year. Also, the S&P 500. Zweig will say, uh, hey, where do you think the yield on the 10-year Treasury bond is going to finish? Also, give me your prediction uh, 12 months from now for the annual rate of inflation. And a host of other things, the price of gold, crude oil, all that kind of stuff. And then you can email or write back and say, these are my predictions. Okay, fair enough. And I do the same thing, as many of you know. I do an annual poll that I will be sending out in January for people who subscribe to my uh, weekly newsletter. And we just have fun with it. I say, hey, give me, what do you think the Dow is going to do? And invariably, only about, you know, out of hundreds of people who participate, I could count them on one hand who are usually within, within even 100 points of the Dow. It's just a fun little game, and it's sort of meaningless. And that's sort of what happens with the Wall Street Journal. But here's what Zweig did this year, which is really interesting. Not only am I so glad he did it, but I'm a little surprised that he got many of his readers to participate in a little bit of an experiment. So Zweig took all of the guesses for 2022, and he reached out to many of these uh, readers who made predictions for this year. And he asked them, what do you think you predicted for 2022? Now, I would think 
perhaps if you engage in this kind of thing, maybe you wrote it down somewhere and you say, well, Jason, I'll tell you what, I, I have it right here. I predicted the Dow would. But I guess people don't do that. They just make their predictions. They send it and they sort of forget about it. So he said, well, what um, what do you think you predicted for the Dow? And the difference between what people thought they guessed and what they really predicted is as wide as the Grand Canyon. Because this has been a bad year, right? For stocks, for bonds, gold is down. I mean, not much has worked. Inflation is actually a lot higher than a lot of people thought. The yield on the 10-year bond is higher. So what he found, let me get this here. Um, Okay, so the average person that he asked this time around, what do you think you predicted for the S&P 500? He averaged them all together, and the average with with all these secondary responses was the S&P was going to fall 1%. As soon as I read that, I thought, there's no way that those readers actually predicted that. I know from my own commentary, if I took all the hundreds of responses that I get, the average almost always falls somewhere in the 6 to 8% positive range. Always. Now, yes, you're going to have outliers. You're going to have some people who are saying, I think there's going to be a 30% correction. Others are saying, no, the market's going to go up 30%. But I'm talking about the average, right, you know, the the, the mean, if you will, usually in that 6 to 8% positive range. And that's what Zweig said. So, so he told some of these people, one guy in particular, who said, yeah, I, I think the Dow was, I think I predicted the Dow was going to go up maybe 1% or 2%. And he's like, no, actually, you said 15%. And the guy was just flummoxed. He's like, are, are you kidding me? No, I've got it right here. The average increase from all the readers at the uh, a year ago for 2022 was up about 6.5%. But when they were asked again, the average became a negative one. I find this so fascinating. The other one, what was it? Um, oh, bonds. No, no, well, I've got one more. This is the best, Bitcoin, because that's been about the most volatile asset class of all of them this year, right? Bitcoin. So he asked these folks, what did you think Bitcoin was going to do at the end of 2022? Do you remember what you wrote a year ago? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So the average of the second guesses showed that Bitcoin was going to finish this year on average, at 30850 which is still way above where it is now. Bitcoin is below 17000 But you know what the real responses were? The average of these same folks was for Bitcoin to finish this year at 53900 So on average, a year ago, people said, ah, at the end of 2022, Bitcoin's going to finish at 53900 Zwei goes back and says, what do you think you predicted? Well, oh, 30,000. <laughs> Not even close. Now, again, there's a reason I tell you all that. It's hindsight bias. We make huge mistakes as investors when we don't learn. When we refuse to admit that we were way off with something. When we look forward and we say, this is what we think is going to happen, I am going to change my portfolio around because this is what people are telling me is going to happen in 2023 or whatever year. When they don't have any clue what's really going to happen, you certainly don't, it, it, we overcomplicate. We make this much more complicated than it needs to be. 
you got to have a financial plan. I've talked about this before. I even have it copyrighted. It's called the PAIR Principle, P-A-I-R. It's the acronym. It's Plan, Assess, Invest, and Review. That's it. It's that simple. The P is you really do have to sit down and map out a plan. And in that plan, it does not talk about what do you think inflation is going to do on average the next 10 years. It just doesn't. Now, year to year, it may matter, and you may need to make changes here and there. I'm not saying you don't. I'm looking at this longer term. Nowhere in that plan does it say that you need to know what the earnings of Amazon will be next quarter. It's not part of your plan. Your plan is unique to you what you are trying to accomplish, how much money you need at a certain date and time, and there will be multiple dates, what kind of income you'll need to generate, the risk tolerance that you'll take, what your experience has been, and I'm just scratching the surface. There are a lot of things that go into this. Then you map it out. People spend more time planning a vacation next summer than they do their long-term financial plan. It's mind-boggling to me. But that's the P of the plan. The A is the assess. And that's where it's important to look around the world and say, what's happening? Oh, we've got 40-year inflation. Okay, well, that's going to change things a little bit right now. I still need to be fully invested, but I'm going to change things around. I'm going to make sure that I'm not overweighted in things that are hurt by inflation. Absolutely. You're assessing the current economic and financial conditions around the world. That's the one that will change here and there. I is then, then you invest. You find the appropriate investment products, and there's a whole smorgasbord. You like individual stocks, ETFs, old-fashioned open-ended funds. Maybe some of you are using hedge funds. Maybe some of you do various option cover call strategies, which is a a completely different animal. Uh, On bonds, what are you looking in in bonds? Do you like individual bonds, ETFs, whatever? There's not necessarily a right or wrong answer, but that's the I side. And then, of course, the R is you do have to review. Not every day, not every week, not even every month. You just don't. Leave it alone. Then you pull it out of the drawer and maybe you look at it every quarter. I'm telling you, my experience has been the people who look at their portfolios the least amount of time are the ones who are most successful. So be wary of using politics. Be wary of hindsight bias. And just leave well enough alone and your goals, if they're reasonable, will be met. We'll be right back. Connect with KMOX on air, online, 1120 AM, 98.7 FM, KMOX.com. Welcome back. Ten minutes before nine o'clock in St. Louis. Dave Simons along with you tonight. As we prepare for winter Armageddon or something like that. Um, And I'm not joking around, really, as I said at the beginning of the the show. This is real. Uh, We don't know about how much snow. That's really not the problem. It's uh, these very dangerous temperatures. And with the uh, gusty winds coming, pushing the windshield factors way down. So just keep it to KMOX. And uh, obviously, we'll update you on a regular basis over the ensuing days as this approaches. Um, Do you know that person who just has to be different or say something different just because that's who they are? You know what I mean? It's like, um, well, I think the Cardinals are going to have a really good year. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. And this guy, I don't. I don't think, you know, no, they don't know, you know, Mo, Mo doesn't know what he's doing. Oh, oh, okay. But it's not just sports. It's about, it's about everything. 
You know, uh, you see that uh, they're predicting some bad weather. Oh, yeah, they'll be wrong. They'll be wrong. It's just that guy, right? But when it comes to investing, it's actually somewhat healthy to be that contrarian. It really is. What I have found over the many years is when you have everyone on one side of the boat all saying the same thing, it gets a little dangerous because that boat can capsize. And it's not a bad idea to go on the other side of the boat. I really learned that. It was a game changer for me um, by a guy named David Dreamin, uh, one of the great investors of all time. Obviously doesn't have the name recognition of any of the greats like a Warren Buffett, but he should. He ran his own mutual fund known as the Kemper Dreamin High Return Fund. I think it was just the Dreamin High Return for the longest time, and then Dreamin bought into it, so it was Kemper Dreamin. That's what it was when I was using it back in the 90s. This guy was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And even though he was on the value side, he didn't get into the growth Internet era of the late 90s, but he was still able to do very, very well buying just good old-fashioned blue-chip stocks at discounted values. And I pulled this out the other day. It's an old Morning Star that I printed off in early 2001. This is great. This is a classic, and it's the Kemper Dreamin' High Return Morning Star Sheet. And I thought, oh, man, I got to bring this in and talk about this. Because for those of you who were investing in the late 90s, you'll recall that it was virtually impossible not to make a ton of money. It was the old throw the spaghetti at the wall and something's going to stick. You know, you're going to make money during those heady days. The greatest five-year return, by the way, in the history of the stock market, 95 through 99. So in 1995, this value guy, Dreamin', his fund, and we were invested in it, made 46.8%. Now, the S&P 500 itself was up 37. So it was a great year for the overall market, but Dreamin' was up almost 47%. Just crazy, crazy. Not, the next year, 96, the S&P was up 23%. Another great year. Dreamin' was up 29. 97 the David the Kemper Dream and High Return Fund up thirty two percent. It's just crazy, and then it started to change. In nineteen ninety eight, the Kemper Dream and High Return Fund deep value contrarian strategies, not playing into the new fangled thing called the internet, and all these new hot IPOs were coming out. Only, and I use air quotes here, only made twelve percent that year in nineteen ninety eight. The problem is. The S&P 500 was up 27%. Grossly underperformed. People started to fire him. 99 was the inexcusable year, basically, from Wall Street's perspective and investors' perspective. 1999 was that final huge blow-off year that the market just went crazy. The NASDAQ was ridiculous in terms of the performance that it achieved in 99. The S&P 500 was up like 24 25%, but the NASDAQ was up over 50% that year. The Dreamin' High Return Fund, believe it or not, in 99, lost money, down 13%. That, to this day, and I've told people this, 99 and early 2000 was, was the second most difficult time for me as a financial planner and financial investor. The worst was 08 But up until then, 99, you say, why was 99 so difficult? That was a great year. 
not for contrarian investors and not for value investors. And I remember having to tell folks, look, we're not investing in these high-flying new Internet stocks. And it was tough, and I was I would lose that battle. So I'd have people say, I don't want to own Kemper Dream in high return. This guy, David Dreamin, has lost his way. He's terrible. So they would want a tech fund or they would want something else. What happened the next year in 2000 still boggles my mind, and I was reminded of it when I found this morning star chart. So, again, keep in mind, in 98, Dreamin was up 12, but he woefully underperformed the S&P by about 17%. 99 was the worst, down 13. He underperformed the S&P by 34%, and he was getting fired left and right. In 2000, that was the first of three down years for the market. The S&P 500 itself was down 9%. The NASDAQ was down, I think, over 30%, something ridiculous. Kemper Dreamin' high return in 2000 when the market was down. His fund was up 41%, outperforming the S&P by 50%. And he again made money in 2002 when the market was down. My point there is, folks, don't constantly switch in and out based on recent performance. You find a good strategy, you find good managers who have been good for long term, and they typically will be good long term, even with a miscue here and there. More coming up in the second hour of At Your Service. Stay with us. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 